Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Sure know how to make things interesting, don't they? I tell myself all the time, sometimes I really wish I wasn't this emotionally invested into football. But you know, we all lie to ourselves every once in a while, kind of like those New Year's resolutions I'm sure you guys haven't really gotten around to. That's okay, I won't tell anybody. Welcome back to the Cannon Fire Podcast here on YouTube and iTunes for episode 10, the big 1-0. Today we're going to be pitching about the Arizona game, just like everyone else is. I'll give my two cents. It'll be a good time. But what's going on, guys? Welcome back to a brand new episode. Like I said before, episode 10. I am your host, Redicus. Evan is not here today, so we are going to be flying solo. As we talk about many of the things that happened in Arizona, good and bad. Well, we'll say bad and good, because let's be honest, not a lot of great things happened in Arizona. But what can we do about that now? Simply... Simply put, it was sloppy football. It was mistakes uh, all around. A lot of people just not doing their jobs. And hard to blame the coaches 100%, but you know, if you got to throw that in there, the coaches, everything was just sloppy on Sunday. Let me pull up my notes and we will get more in-depth on this monster. Huh. Let's talk about this, man. Let's get all this pent-up frustration out of the way. We're going to break this down post-game Arizona it's going to go the cons first because there were a lot of bad things that happened. Uh, and then we're going to talk about the pros at the end. We will do offensive and defensive MVP. We will also do uh, something a little bit newer for the show as we've gained a little bit more of a presence. We will do a social media follower of the week at the end of the show. I will... Not sure what I'll do with that audio, but I'll probably end up cutting it uh, and putting it on Instagram. That way people know that it's a thing. But to the guys who have been through thick and thin, who have been downloading us on iTunes and checking us out on YouTube, thank you guys so much. We actually just hit 100 followers on Instagram not that long ago. And on YouTube, we also surpassed 75 subscribers on our way to 100. Triple digits would be kick-ass before the end of the regular season. See if we can't make it happen. And iTunes, I believe we are close to 700 total downloads. Let's keep kicking ass, guys. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Very, very appreciated. Now, this is a show about the fans. Uh, this show for the fans, by the fans. That's what we say in everything. So, we wanted to incorporate a little bit extra. That's why the social media follower of the week was added. And we are going to be taking song requests for the intro of the show. Uh, honestly, we had a few requests for uh, for tonight. Uh, I will I will be upfront and honest about that. But a lot of them were copyrighted. A lot of them we couldn't use. Um, just because of how strict the copyright was, like one of them was ACDC Thunderstruck and I'd be feeling Thunderstruck, but the thing is that ACDC is so anal about copyright. Uh, I guess even if you upload an instrumental, it's considered, you know, their property, which is true. I don't know. Let me not get onto a, let me not get into a whole tirade here. But speaking of Instagram guys, uh, we talked about it last week. We're just going to touch on it a little bit here to open up the show. Let's talk about these Fairweather fans, these people jumping ship. The Buccaneers were 2-3 and three this time last year. People talk about firing Cutter. People talk about benching Winston. Are you kidding me? I've got no problem letting Winston uh, sit through the Bills game. Chances are he's probably going to get up and 
play limited football. If it's a good game, he'll be as limited as possible. Uh, but I really don't want to see him play through the pain. If he goes down again, it's not going to be good. But anyways, the Buccaneers are 2-3. and three. The Buccaneers are minus one and last in the NFC South. Let me tell you about this Buccaneers Instagram page. I'm not going to call them out by name, but it was a damn good Buccaneers Instagram page. The quality was great. The feed was great. He had this whole like aesthetic thing going. It looked kick-ass. It was actually one of my favorite Bucks pages because he was one of those pages that wasn't uh, that wasn't. I don't want to say whiny because the fans want what the fans want, and you can't deny that everyone wants what they want in their team. It's all expectations. I wouldn't say he was whiny, but he was. He just wasn't a, a fair weather fan. It really seemed like he. He seemed like he had a vision. Seemed like he had something he wanted to do. Well, the Buccaneers are 2-3, and three, and he posts something today about, oh, I'm going to change the page up. Nah, you do that, man. But when the Buccaneers are 8-3, and 9-3, and 9-4, and four, whatever it comes down to in the postseason, don't come back. Got to have that attitude. It's a hard attitude to establish because the Buccaneers fan base is family and nothing but love for everybody out there. You can kind of take what I say somewhat seriously. But it's just all about being committed. It's all about being committed. You can't jump ship. You're already too far into it now. You're already too far invested. I've already got my Levante David jersey hanging up to my right. I got two Bucks hats. Uh, I got a Bucks mini helmet on my desk signed by Ernest Graham. I got a whole uh, die-cast helmet in my closet signed by the 2010 team. I got Donald Penn on there, Josh Freeman. I can't go back. I can't say I don't like the Bucks anymore. It's all about loving this team, man. And like I said before, sometimes I wish I wasn't this emotionally invested. But you know what? That's football. And I fucking love football. Let's get this bad boy out of the way. Let's talk Arizona. Let's get all of this pent-up frustration out of the way. I got my notes right up here. You know, 33-38, the final score in Arizona, by the way, if you weren't watching that game. One hell of a game towards the end of the, uh, towards the, end of the fourth quarter. But that's really all it was. First three quarters didn't mean shit. It was 30-6. to six. I believe 30-6 to six headed into the fourth. The game was humiliating and disappointing. Uh, Jameis went down, and I, I didn't turn the game off because I was watching it on my phone, but I wasn't really paying that much attention to it. I'll be honest with you. My girlfriend's a really big Steelers fan. We put the Steelers game on the TV, watched that for a little bit, but I wasn't... 100% on the Bucks. Jameis went down. I held my breath. Because people talk about, you know, we'll, we'll talk about Fitzpatrick in just a few minutes, but people talk about benching Winston for Fitzpatrick. Fitz is a veteran, but Fitz wasn't a starter on a lot of teams for a long time. He started on the Jets, and that was great. The Jets didn't know how to utilize him. I'm not discrediting Ryan Fitzpatrick. He is a solid backup quarterback. And like I said, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But Jameis going down the same day that Aaron Rodgers went down with a broken collarbone really could have made, really could have uh, make or break our season here. And it's a situation that I was so scared to be in. I didn't want to, I didn't want to open up my phone and read the updates. Luckily, it was only an AC joint tear. It's going to be taken day by day. And the sources that I have said he's not going to be throwing in practice until later in the week. Uh, but something I wanted to touch on, this guy, I mean, this guy has got the passion 
to be the face of any franchise at this point. I'm not saying he's going to jump ship and go somewhere else. I'm just saying he is the face of the Buccaneers franchise, whether you like it or not. People said to trade him. People said to bench him. He's not going anywhere. The coaches need to find a way to utilize him. The play calling needs to come together. But Jameis Winston is the face of this franchise. And the commitment... I don't even have a word for it. The commitment and just the pride that this guy shows game in and game out. You saw after he went down, if you were watching the game, he didn't go to the back of the locker room to get examined. He was on the sideline with a headset on the whole time. You could see the look on his face. He was scared to death of what was going to happen because he's never been down like that before. He was just as scared as we were. So that could have, that you know, that really could have, uh, that really could have broken our season, ended it right there, but luckily... You know, we we snuck out of that one with our starting quarterback in one piece, and I'm very, very glad we did. Uh, So let's hope he gets better, and let's hope they make the right decision come Sunday, whatever it may be. I'm not on that. uh, I'm not on that staff of making decisions. So let's just hope it comes down to being a good one. Now, talking about Jameis, and I'm going to talk about Fitz right after this, I promise. I'm not lying to you. Talking about Jameis, one thing I noticed, Jameis really needs to find a rhythm early. Uh, It's really hard to establish anything in the game when a quarterback can't establish himself. It's been a long-ass time since the Buccaneers have scored on an opening drive. I believe the stat was pulled up. It was the Buccaneers have only scored two or three total times. Two or three total times on the opening drive since 2015. That's a 2015 Bucs team that went 6-10. The year before, went 2-14. Got to find a rhythm early. Got to find something that works. Whether it's establishing the run game, implementing that a little bit more. Hell, implement O.J. Howard and Cam Braid a little bit more. I was going to talk about that later. But those guys looked really fucking good going up against an Arizona secondary. Who really isn't that bad. Okay? They're a little bit older. But you looked at Cam Braid, you looked at O.J. Howard. They didn't have huge days. But whenever they matched up one-on-one, whenever they were played as a receiver... The guy blocking him couldn't stop him. Cam Brayton, O.J. Howard, I, I really like the guy. I, I really like the way those guys were being used right before Jameis went down. You match those guys up one-on-one, make them more of a vertical threat, have a hell of a day. O.J. Howard's already shown us that he can do it. There was that bootleg against uh, New York. O.J. was wide open. That's because he was one-on-one. Nobody really thought to look for him. Got to utilize those guys a little bit more, but Jameis does have to find a rhythm. It's got to be, it's got to be something. If it's a, if it's a drive of five yard runs and checkdowns, I'm okay with it. If we come away with a field goal, I'm all right with it. Points are points, man. Points are hard to come by. But got to find a rhythm early. Like I said before, you can't establish anything when the quarterback can't establish himself. Now you can blame play calling. I'm not going to get into that too, too much. Um, you can blame play calling, you can blame the personnel, but really just got to find a rhythm. That's all it is. Got to find a rhythm and really got to find that one-two punch. You know, got to punch early. Uh, we talked about it all week and punching early on both sides of the ball, scoring on an opening drive and stopping AP. That's what it's all about. The Buccaneers' run defense has been great. We've complained, we've bitched and moaned about the pass rush. But the run defense has been fine. We've shut people down. You saw Jordan Howard for the Bears. He had a huge run on Sunday. The Bears played on Sunday, right? He had a huge run this week. 
The guy is a talented back. We shut him down week two. Okay? Week three rolls around. Dalvin Cook didn't have the best game ever. But we held him to less than 100 yards. That's a solid running back. Dalvin Cook was one of the rushing leaders before he went down. Guy's a hell of a back. We held him to less than 100 yards. New York didn't have a run game going. New York doesn't exactly have, you know, a, a run game to boast about. But Shane Vereen's a solid back. And the other guy they have is pretty good on his feet. Got to find a way to punch early. And not stopping AP early, letting AP put up 25 fantasy points on us. Not that fantasy points really matter, but it's just the scale of things. Got to punch early, man. That'll kill us. Scoring on that opening drive really could have kept us in that game a little bit longer than we did. Talking about Fitz. Jumping over to Ryan Fitzpatrick. When they put him in the game, I almost started crying. Because at that point, I didn't realize Jameis was injured. I just thought it was because we were down 24-0, they threw him in the game. I didn't know Jameis went down until the next play. But can't really complain about Ryan Fitzpatrick. Dude went in there and did his job. It took him a little bit to get warmed up. But I saw a backup quarterback who went in there and threw three touchdowns. Granted, he threw two interceptions, one of them which pretty much lost us the game right there on the one-yard line. But the guy went in there and threw three touchdowns, put up 25 points in the fourth quarter. Made it a five-point game, 33-38. It was 30-6 to headed into the fourth. Can't complain about Fitz. He's a veteran. He's been around a long time. He started in New York for a good series of time for a reason. The guy's been around. He's seen something. He's not another Josh McCown. I'll, just, I'll put it that way. Josh McCown doing great things in New York. Couldn't beat the Pats, though. That's all right. The Pats are squeezing out of everything. They squeezed out of a Jets loss, let me tell you. But I, I can't complain with Fitz. Dude came in there in a hectic situation and made it a close game. Three touchdowns. Two interceptions. Don't, don't take that away from him. Don't forget about that. But three touchdowns. He showed that he can come in in crunch time. And I'm sure given, I'm sure given the right circumstances, he can... He can finish a game for you. Can't complain about Fitz. Uh, I'm not mad. I'm not upset with him. It's two interceptions, man. Two interceptions that could have been prevented. One that lost us the game. But come on. It was 30-6 to headed into the fourth. I didn't have hope headed into the fourth. I hate to say it like that. But you got to look at things realistically. Can't be upset with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Something else I wanted to touch on with the offense, and we're still talking cons. I'm not going to sit here and bash the team for an hour. I promise. We still got a few things. Uh, we still got a few things to talk about here on offense. We'll switch to defense, and then we'll throw on some good news. But one thing that really killed me is that we're still running the end around without Deshaun Jackson. Ran the end around, gave it to Bernard Reedy. I believe it was only two yards. Might have lost yardage on it. Still running the end around without Deshaun Jackson. That play could shape a drive. At this point, what have we got to lose? You look at Sunday. The Texans ran an end around with Braxton Miller from the five-yard line, and it was a beautiful play for a touchdown. Look at it this way. Deshaun Jackson could run fucking circles around Braxton Miller. Make this play a red zone threat. I don't know why Deshaun Jackson hasn't been utilized on the end around yet. It could come back to play calling. I don't know if Cutter just forgets that he's there. 
I don't know if he wants to give other guys chances. I don't know if he wants him to go head-to-head like that and possibly get hurt. Deshaun Jackson is a fast SOB. Deshaun Jackson is probably one of the top five fastest guys in the NFL right now. He just turned 30, and he's still kicking. He is one of the fastest dudes on the roster, on any roster. At this point, if the end around hasn't worked with Charles Sims, the end around hasn't worked with Bernard Reedy, the end around, I believe they ran Chris Godwin on it one time. It's going to work with Deshaun Jackson. Make it an end zone threat. Try from the 5. Try from the 10. Just try it. You'll like it. It's like trying to explain something to a five-year-old who doesn't want to try the food that you made when you know it's some good-ass food. Made some grilled chicken. Put some sauce on it. Mm, Some, like, buffalo sauce. Maybe put a good dry rub on there. It's all nice and tender. But your five-year-old only likes chicken nuggets, so he's not going to want to try it. But once he tries it, he's going to know how fucking good it is, okay? Just try the end around with Deshaun Jackson one time. I'll stop. I, I will stop complaining. I will never talk about it again if I see them try it at least one time. If they try it one time and it doesn't work, that's okay with me. Maybe the end around doesn't work with this playbook. But you got to fit it in there somewhere. Got to utilize Deshaun Jackson a little bit more, period, on offense. And that's been talked about week in and week out. Everyone's talked about that. Deshaun Jackson can shine. Deshaun Jackson did have a touchdown against the Cardinals. Granted, it was from like 10 yards out or something, but a touchdown's a touchdown. Just really got to open it up for Jameis more. I don't, I think it's one of those situations right now where they just don't know what they have. You know, you got a Lambo parked in the garage, but you've put 200,000 miles on your Ford Bronco and you love to drive it. Haven't driven your Lambo yet. Got all the tools necessary. It's just a weird situation right now. And I hate to say that Evan was right, but Evan was right. If you guys watched our season predictions, he said right around this time, heading heading into this stretch of games. By the way, this was the first stretch. uh, This was the first game of the next six of eight on the road, which surprised the hell out of me. I hate to say Evan was right, but Evan did say our record is going to look a little funky. I I am full on with this. The Buccaneers were 2-3 and three this time last year. Turned around and came back, we're 8-3. Five wins in a row. Beat the Seahawks. Beat Kansas City in Arrowhead, which nobody had done in a couple of years. Got to get things rolling. When I had season tickets back in 2010, I'll always remember it. There was a guy who sat behind us every single game. He also had season tickets. He was an older guy. Had to be maybe 60s, 70s. He had this, like, Hawaiian shirt. And I'm sure you've seen it at least one time if you've ever been to a Bucks game. He had this Hawaiian shirt that had all these, like, Tampa landmarks on it. All these road signs, uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks logo. Just a Tampa shirt. It was the coolest thing ever. He wore a straw hat. He had wireframe glasses, and he would listen to the radio broadcast of the game. So he would listen to Gene Deckerhoff, and that was awesome. He always said whenever we were behind two scores and people would start getting upset, excuse me, getting upset in our section. Yeah, we're just, we're like an old Ford. We got to warm up a little bit. Got to get things going. (laughs) I mean, it holds true. 
I mean, maybe not an old Ford, because if we were an old Ford, we'll get started, but we'll give you half a job. Let's say an old Chevy. The Buccaneers are an old Chevy. Got to get them going. Got to have patience. But once they get going, they'll give you a good day's work. They'll give you a good football game. They'll give you a good stretch of games. And these stretch of games is really very important for the Buccaneers coming up. We've got the Bills, and that's a must-win game. Been saying that every week, but haven't been taking it very seriously. But this is must-win. This is going to set the tone for the next few games that we play. You've got the Bills, which is a team that you should beat on the road. Let me pull up the schedule here because I don't remember the exact order. But I knew it. I, I know it's a stretch of games that are going to mean the most up until we play Carolina, our first division rival that we play this season. They really crammed all of our division games into the second half of the season. Let me pull this up here. It's a very, very important stretch of games because it is a stretch of games that can be won. Sunday, October 22nd at 1 p.m., the Buccaneers face the Bills. That's a game we should win, 3-3. Three and three. Week after that, back in Ray J, the Bucks face the Panthers. It's going to be a tough game. It's a rivalry game, but it's a game we should win, especially if we beat the Bills. That's four and three. After that, Bucks and Saints. Everything runs right. The Buccaneers do their job. The Buccaneers find a rhythm, and Jameis finds a way to fix himself early. We can beat the Saints. Five and three. After that, we got the Jets. Six and three. After that, we got the Dolphins. Seven and three. After that, we got the Falcons. That's going to be a tough game. We'll see how the Falcons fare that time of year. Even if we lose, seven and four. After that, we got the Packers in Lambeau in December without Aaron Rodgers. It could be a close game. It really could be a close game. It could be a much more competitive game than it would have been with Aaron Rodgers because let's be honest here, the Packers don't lose in Lambeau in December. That could be a game that we win now, 8-4, and four, if we're counting that one loss. After that, we got the Lions, 9-4, and four, the Falcons again. It could really open things up. It could really open things up. Now, say the Buccaneers don't even lose. We're looking at nine and three, ten and three at certain spots in the uh, certain spots in the season. Now, don't hold my word for it. Don't take my word for it because I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't have any evidence to back up that we're going to go nine and three, ten and three. I believe we're going to get ten plus wins this year. But it's a very, very important time of the year for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, especially if we're getting everybody back. Levante David had a hell of a game against Arizona. Defense didn't look too good, but the guy had a really good game. It's great to have him back. It's going to be very important. That's all I'm trying to say. The winter months, the fall months are going to be very, very important these next few weeks for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as we move forward on the schedule. A couple more bullet points on the defense 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 has really got to wake up. The communication has to be there. There was a lot of secondary miscommunications. Carson Palmer had two first-half touchdowns and just tacked it on for the rest of the game. Carson Palmer had a hell of a day simply because the secondary wasn't able to match up. Talking about the secondary, I'm not going to talk about Brent Grimes too much because the guy goes in there and does his job. Vernon Hargraves played like ass. Still playing 5 to 10 yards out. Really bit him in the ass on a flea flicker 
when John Brown, the Cardinals receiver, came all the way down to make a ridiculous catch that he shouldn't have made. On a flea flicker. It was a first down. I understand at this point Vernon Hargraves playing cushion to respect play action, but come on, man. Come on. It's hard to come down on a receiver and make a play if you're playing 5 to 10 yards out. It's been said before. Got to just, got to gotta press. Got to be in their face. You get beat sometimes, that's okay. You get beat deep by Larry Fitzgerald, that's okay. No one's going to be mad at you. Be a little disappointed in you. But to me, the most important thing in the world right now is just stopping, stopping those chunk gains, those 10, 15-yard gains that could be prevented if he just came down and played the ball. Early second quarter, Vernon got beat by Larry Fitzgerald on a curl. It was a first down. Easily could have made a play on the ball had he just been pressing. Now I'm not saying you got to press. Uh, I'm not saying you got to press every play, and I'm not saying it's just his fault because let's be honest, there are certain play calls, especially zone defense, which isn't fucking working for us. But I'm not going to get into that. But. You just you really got to find a middle ground where you can come down and make the play and not be afraid to be deep. It's a weird situation. I still have faith in the kid. I'm not saying he's got to go. He's just got to get better. Maybe some one-on-one practice. Hell, match him up with Deshaun Jackson. If he can beat Deshaun Jackson deep, can beat anybody deep. Really got to find a way to work. For Vernon Hargraves. Let me see if I have any more negative notes. Oh yeah, we got a bunch of them. Okay. Flipping over to the other side of the ball. Offense. Run's got to be established any way that it can be. Doug Martin has showed highlights that he is... Playing hungry this year. The guy wants to win. The guy wants to put points on the board. He wants to get yards. Just got to find the right time. Really got to give him a few more chances, to be honest with you. Because this game, and a little bit of the last game, just showed us that Doug Martin can't catch open passes, apparently. You throw to him on a dump off. Throw to him on the flat. Can't catch it. Ball's wide o- He's wide open. Can't just make the catch. Got to find a way to get this guy moving and grooving on the ground. It's what he's known for. Just two years ago, he was one of the best in the NFL. Can't take that away from him. Numbers don't lie. Doug Martin, it's been said before, Doug Martin is such an on and off back, but really numbers don't lie at this point. If he's in here and he's showing that he means business, really just try to give him a ball a little bit more. Let's see what he can do. All it takes is one big play, 120, 130, Hell, even a 40-plus yard run can set the tone for him, can get him amped up. we got to find a way to incorporate this run. It seems like we give up on it a little too early. Just got to keep chipping away at it. Any way that it can be established is is what we got to do. Also, last play of the first half. Let's talk about this really quick. If you guys weren't watching it, it was uh, the Buccaneers were in the red zone. It was fourth down. Ryan Fitzpatrick, it was a pass. Ryan Fitzpatrick dropped back, scrambled, rolled all the way out to the left, had O.J. Howard wide open in the end zone. 
and it was like this weird, this weird toss. Like it looked like a forward lateral, but he was behind the line of scrimmage. So I guess he just kind of tossed it up. And I don't know if it was to mistrack the blocker in front of him. But OJ Howard very easily could have made a play on the ball and had a touchdown. It's understandable that the toss wasn't really anything OJ had seen before. And that makes sense because I had never seen it before. But he tracked Fitz the whole play. And he had plenty of time to take five steps back and catch the football. It's all about hustle. You don't know what the fuck's going on, but you see the football, go after it. It could have been a score. I'm also not exactly sure why Pat Murray couldn't have kicked the field goal before the half. I know it was I know it was fourth down. It's understandable you're down four possessions. But a good field goal before the half and a score on the first drive of the third quarter really could have put us back in the game. Really could have brought it down to a two-possession game and brought us back into the game, which was what we wanted. It's, it's a game of possessions. It's not a game of time. Kind of. It's not a game of big plays. It's a game of possessions. You only have so many possessions a game to put points on the board. There's a certain point where you have, you have to script things out. Know what's coming. Know what you're going to do. Know what your plan is. Know what your backup plan is. And I'm sure they do that. I'm just sitting here on the internet getting mad about it. I'm sure coaches do script. I'm sure coaches do have backup plans. But sometimes they can be executed a little bit smarter. And right there really could have been one or two things that could have brought us back into this game earlier than we were. Uh, But other than that, really just defensive secondary miscommunication. Justin Evans had a great game. Uh, But then again, Justin Evans and Vernon Hargraves on the flea flicker. Uh, There was a lot of secondary miscommunication. Justin Evans, there was a touchdown. I forgot which receiver it was. I want to say it was John Brown for the Cardinals. But there was a touchdown where Justin Evans just tracked the ball into the end zone. Didn't even bother to look back and see where the ball was played. Because the receiver caught the ball at the three or four yard line. Justin Evans was already in the end zone expecting to be there. And the receiver walked in. It's It's all about communication in the secondary. That's what bit us in the ass. I can't complain about the pass rush. They walked away with a sack. Robert Ayers is one hell of a player once he's got all of his, uh, once he's, you know, running on all cylinders. Can't complain about the pass rush. The run defense couldn't really stop anything, but it's AP. He's back in, you know, back in black because, you know, they did wear the black uniforms. It's AP. Just got to find a way to stop him early. Let's talk about the pros. Let's regroup and look at what the team did well because I'm not just going to sit here and bash the team that I love so much. I'm not going to sit here and bash the Bucks for an hour. There were some good things that I saw. I brought it up before. Fitz has rhythm and looks pretty good. Uh, he established himself in the pocket, had a pretty good sense of awareness. His deep ball looked pretty confident. I'm not saying, you know, let's go to his deep ball all the time, but when he threw a deep ball, he knew what he was throwing to and he made completions. The guy didn't have a bad day. Like I said before, I saw a backup quarterback that threw three touchdowns. Brought us back into that game. I also said before, I really did like the way uh, OJ and Cam Brate were involved. Uh, We brought it up last week on the show, and I mentioned utilizing OJ as more of a receiver. Bucks did exactly that against the Cardinals when they could. Both guys had really nice catches when matched up one-on-one. Nobody can stop them one-on-one. It's just the way... 
That's just the way it is. But the guys can get out there and make plays, and that's really good to see, man. I like seeing these guys utilize. O.J. Howard and Cam Brate, two, two of the most slept-on tight ends in the NFL. Zach Ertz is a great tight end. I think Cam Brate is better than Zach Ertz. Only highlight Zach Ertz has really had this season was that one touchdown catch that he had no business catching. But we'll talk about that at another time. I, I can say that I'm really proud of the way this team put up 26 points. When everyone has their shit together, the Bucks can do great things. All the talent is there. The play calling is... Uh, the coaching is... Uh, but the Buccaneers have one hell of a squad. And when everyone's clicking... When everything goes the way that it's supposed to, the Buccaneers can do great things. Now, I say go the way that it's supposed to because the Bucs practice day in and day out. Bucks are a good team. Can't take that away from the Bucs. It's just sloppiness, really, that lost us this game. A lot of penalties. The Cardinals got, the Cardinals got bailed out by a lot of penalties. Granted, we got bailed out by a couple of penalties, but just a lot of penalties. A lot more penalties than we saw last year. I remember for a, a good stretch of time, penalties weren't this much of an issue. Because uh, back in the day, that's all it was. Even in 2010, when we were 10 and 6, could have been 11 and 5, got robbed, but. Even in 2010, we were 10 and 6. Penalties fucking killed us, dude. 2011, 2012, penalties. 2013, 2014, penalties. Right around 2015, 2016, those two seasons, didn't see as much sloppiness, just saw a weird spread of talent and the coaching fiasco. But got to get those penalties together, man. Can't keep getting bailed out like that. Got to show that we can come up big in certain situations and got to show that we can score in the red zone. Enough has been said about that. Bucks got to finish. The Bucks got to finish. Now, talking about the Coach Cutter situation, I'm not going to go into play calling because that's just another beast of its own and I really don't think I could tackle it by myself right now. But talking about the Cutter situation, people are already talking about firing Coach Cutter. People are saying Mike Smith has lost his touch. Granted, I think the defensive play calling needs a little bit of work. The Bu I, I said it before, the Buccaneers were 2-3 and three this time last year. Let's discuss let's discuss the coaching situation if we miss the playoffs. Let's discuss the coaching situation if we don't get 10 wins. Let me actually bring it up. I made a post on the Instagram earlier. It was just a picture of Coach Cutter, and I said, let's discuss. So we talked the coaching situation. Some great points, and I will read them to you now. Yes, sir, I will. We'll bring these out. Uh, we'll talk about Cutter. Talk about the rest of the situation. We will do our offensive and defensive MVP. And we will talk our social media follower of the week. And that will probably be the show, guys. I'm glad I could do it by myself, to be honest. I didn't think I'd be able to do it. But 
I did. All right. So let's discuss Coach Cutter. Daniel McHugh, 18, said, let's discuss after the next six or seven games. We were 2-3 and three at this point last year, too. Exactly what I said. Adam Baker said, I would like Lovey Smith back, to be honest. And here's the thing. I honestly don't think... I honestly don't think Lovey Smith is the answer. The counterpoint to that is, yeah, but, you know... He only gave they only gave Lovey Smith one chance with a rookie Jameis, and that's correct. Lovey Smith had a had a really good connection with Jameis, really shaped him to be the player that he is. Lovey Smith is a great guy, but I, I don't think Lovey is the answer because there were a lot of problems with his scheme. And if I remember correctly, it was simply because a lot of guys didn't know what the hell was going on with Lovey Smith's scheme. Great defensive coach. But he's not what we need right now. On the topic of bringing back coaches, I said it. Um, I said it to a couple of people, but I'll say Raheem Morris. Raheem Morris was a solid coach. Josh Freeman failed that team more than Raheem Morris. Josh Freeman stopped showing up. Raheem Morris wanted to win. The guy was a solid coach. Could have taken us to the playoffs. Almost took us to the playoffs. Got cheated out of the playoffs. Aaron and Bobby FL said, if they miss the playoffs, then we can discuss the coach. Gruden would be a good choice for a return. Until then, they need to get tough, play fast, and the D needs to play a lot better. That's all it is, too, is playing fast. Got to play quick. Got to respond quick. Got to establish a one-two punch at the beginning of football games. That way, old and busted up Adrian Peterson doesn't run for over 120 yards on us. Uh, I'm all for Gruden return. It, you know, if I had to bring back a coach, either Dungey or Gruden, I don't know how long Dungey would last, to be honest with you. I'm all for Gruden return, but I don't really think he'll come back. He's pretty comfy where he is, getting paid millions of dollars to call football games. Uh, Williams underscore Chris 16 said, hand the play calling to Todd Monaghan or don't be afraid to open the playbook. I, I think it should just come down to handing over the play calling at this point. We've already seen week in and week out that the play calling is so hit or miss. Just let someone else try. We've got the talent. Uh, Bucks United said, I love Cutter a lot, but I do love the thought of bringing Gruden back and putting Dirk at a coordinator position. He has great potential for a future role as the head coach. Yeah, but Gruden's happy where he is. Let's look at it like that. I have no problem putting Cutter... In a coordinator situation, he was a great coordinator before, but you still got to have faith in him. You can't just dip on a coach like that. And that's the topic, that, that's why it's so heavily talked about. If the Buccaneers hadn't gone through so many coaches in the last six years, this wouldn't be, this wouldn't be something people talk about. People wouldn't be raving to fire the coach. It all started when they let go of Gruden. Got to have faith in the coach. Got to have faith in the team. That's what it's all about, man. It comes back, comes full circle to the Fairweather fans talk we had last week. Just have faith. It's football. You don't get what you want all the time. You got to have faith. You got to You got to just hope that the team can get things right. They're doing their best. These guys go out there and bust their ass at practice every day. 
Just a lot of things need to be fixed. But the Buccaneers have the talent to do it. As we've seen on and off the field. It's just a lot of little things. We're almost there. We're almost there. Can't jump ship now. We are almost there. We are so close. These last two games... These last two games were so close. Less than a touchdown. Where one factor lost the game for us. And a lot of times that's what it is. These games come down to the wire. But I'm talking like apparent. Nick Folk made one of his three kicks that he missed against New, uh, against New England. We would have been in a situation to win that game. If he made two kicks, we would have won the game. If he made three kicks, we would have won the game. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. But it's what you got to look at. It's what you have to improve on. You have to fix your mistakes. It's mistakes. Look at the Cardinals game. I'll be honest with you. A Fitz comeback really could have happened had he not thrown those two picks. Guy was chucking them. Guy was finding his targets. Threw three touchdowns. I've said that so many times. Guy threw three touchdowns. I didn't expect that from him. He blew me away. Just the poise that he had. And he's a veteran. That's why he. That's why we signed him. But come on, man. Just have some faith. We're almost there. Jameis is healthy. Kinda. Jameis is day-to-day. Jameis isn't going to be out as long as Quan is. Jameis isn't going to be out as long as Levante is. If Jameis sits out this week, the max he's going to miss is one game. He can play through the injury. Just got to have faith. That's what it's all about, guys. Let's wrap this puppy up. Let's talk offensive and defensive MVP. We will also get to our social media follower of the week. Offensive MVP. I'm going to say Fitz. Might not like it. I've been kissing his ass the whole episode, but... Guy threw three touchdowns. What else can I say? I've talked about it enough the rest of the episode. Ryan Fitzpatrick is my offensive MVP. Defensive MVP, Levante David came back in and had a hell of a game. As we know, the fumble recovery for a touchdown was one of his many highlights, but the dude had a hell of a game. It's great to have him back. He performed. He performed where we needed him to. And I'm proud of him for that. I've got his jersey hanging up in my room. I always told myself I'm not going to wear that jersey because I wore that jersey today. Or not today. I wore that jersey. I'm not sure how long it's been since I wore that jersey on a game day. But I I got that jersey in 2014 when we went 2-14. Something about that jersey, man. So I've got it hanging up. I might not wear it. I'm going to get myself a new jersey. If you guys have any suggestions, actually, tell me which jersey I should get. I'm thinking, I'm thinking Cam. Thinking Cambray. I'm thinking maybe. I'm thinking a Jameis jersey. Hell, I I might even get myself an O.J. Howard jersey. I don't know, guys. Let me know in the description below. But let's get to our social media follower of the week over on Instagram. And this guy came up big, actually. He came out of nowhere. 
And he's our first Instagram follower of the week. Uh, JJ underscore the dot jet plane. So JJ the jet plane. Jeffrey Robinson. Dude came up huge. Dude came up clutch. I posted something about uh, Mike Evans and Xavier Rhodes, yada, yada, yada. This uh, this Vikings fan kind of jumped in the comments section, and he was just tearing it apart. I mean, the guy was really holding on to that Vikings win. He was making a as anything could have been seen, you know. But anyways, he wasn't making a lot of sense. JJ the Jet Plane came in clutch, man. He's also been You see him in the comments section. The dude is kick-ass. So, JJ the Jet Plane, you are the Instagram follower of the week. You guys have given us on the show. Right. Episode 10. Not done yet here on YouTube iTunes. If you guys haven't already, go follow us at Cannon Fire Podcast on Instagram. Subscribe on iTunes and YouTube as well. Help us get 100 And go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.